Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. I'm Dirk, I'm your host, and thank you for tuning in from our program recorded here in Perham, West Central Minnesota. If you have seen our building, stop by, say hi, pick up a magazine, or just meet with us, tell us your Lake Life story, and maybe we have an interview opportunity after meeting you. Um, today, I am very happy to share with you a recording that I've been waiting for for quite a while and it is actually, although one may not believe it, a lake life story from Sybil Lake by Virgus. Joel Kath has mm, brainstormed and come up with his concept and brand names all actually at around bonfire settings at Sybil Lake and then founded Proof Artesian Distillery, which is located in downtown Fargo. And we actually hosted a little after party after our expo a couple of years back there. And uh, it's a very, very beautiful environment. And I must say the spirits are also of very high quality and very delicious. So uh, I had uh, the opportunity to taste them. And uh, I can only recommend if you are a gin drinker or those things. But yeah, I don't want to keep this too much longer from hearing the full story told by Joel here in our studio. And um, while you're visiting Lakes Country, please also go to our new website, weekendnow.com, which is a local map environment for things to explore and things to do in the area. We also have more articles and stories and recipes uh, on our website, lakelifeweekend.com. Um, feel free to email us with ideas and um, stories to share to hello at lakelifeweekend.com and yeah, I am very happy to produce and to share with you a new interview and there's more coming we had um, due to summer and some scheduling obstacles um, unfortunately delayed um, one episode so thank you for coming back and listening to us I hope you have a great weekend ahead and now I'm going to turn this over to our interview with Joel about Proof Artesian Distillery. Thank you. Welcome to our interview part. I'm here with Joel Kath. Hi Joel. Greetings. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for coming out this weekend. And um, we are going to talk about Proof Artesian Distillers today. And I have been trying to catch you to come to my Purim shop for quite a while, but we are all busy, but you actually live on Sybil Lake. Sybil Lake, just outside Vergas. And, and I've I, been, yes. So, and I've been there since the, the mid nineties and my parents were on Big Pine. Oh. So we had a summer cabin on Big Pine Lake uh, since, oh, that was what, 1972, I believe is when they first, and they've now semi-retired and left the lakes uh, back into Fargo. So they did, uh, they're not there anymore. But so I've always been in the Purim, uh, Purim area. It's been fantastic. Yeah, Autotech County is yes. your second home. Yes. And uh, if people are wondering why we make proof 
a Fargo company, a Lake Life program, I was always going to capture it because it all started on Sybil Lake. Yes. Before we deep dive in the story of your um, craft and your, your distillery, I would like to um, learn more about who is Joel, like what's your backstory, what else do you do to spotlight the founder and maybe the how you arrived at that um, passion. I, I guess it's Wait, a passionate. Passion is a very good word because it is all about passion, passion for quality. So yes. Um, who is Joel? Let's begin at Joel. the beginning. You, you kind of grew up on Big Pine, you just in said? In the summers. <laughs> in the summers, my grandparents were on Otter Tail Lake. My parents were on Big Pine Lake. Um, and so we would always be in the summers and some winter weekends over in the lakes country. I did grow up in, uh, in Fargo, mm -hmm. in, in uh, central Fargo, if you will, which okay. is central now, but it was just south of Main Avenue. Yeah. So we grew up in Fargo. Um, and, uh, and right now at, in the distillery, uh, my brother is our master distiller. And both of my sons are involved also in the production and development of the spirits. So yes, we make the Proof Artisan Distillers makes vodka, whiskeys, and gins all in downtown Fargo, throughout North Dakota, and the lakes country of Minnesota is where our spirits are carried, as well as now in Arizona, uh, Illinois, and we're just starting to launch in Florida. Wow, let's back up a little bit. Yes. What's your, what's your education? What's your, I mean, you have a different occupation? Yes, also, my, I mean, you're that still is my full-time occupation is I'm an engineer. You're an engineer. I'm electrical engineering and I've been doing that since the mid 80s. Uh, I graduated from NDSU uh, in electrical engineering in 1984 and have been in consulting electrical engineering ever since. What does that mean? Do you build little boxes that, what is, what is, what we is des it? I design electrical systems for industrial plants uh, water, wastewater facilities. So I do the electrical systems design for like... Um, like an yeah, interface in, or how something... No, the the electrical panels. So the panels and the lighting and the power and the connections to the pumps for industrial plants and water plants and wastewater plants, airports. I do the electrical design and have done that for many years. Uh, and since 2004, I left a larger engineering firm and formed my own. Oh, and so I've got clients doing that same work for, for those say and municipals as well. So I do a lot of municipals, uh, pump stations, water, sewer, yeah, glamorous projects, if you will. But so it's a strategic <laughs> job. It's like a, a functional a, job. You have to kind of be an architect of, of uh, like how things work. Of the yes, how they things work, and especially like when I do industrial plants, there's a lot of process involved in that. So you have to have a kind of a chemistry background. There's different, like in um, like in a water treatment plant, there will be different chemicals that are used. Uh, there's different feed rates and chemical pumps that inject into the water, etc. Uh, and you have to know the process as doing the engineering for it, you have to know the process, you have to know the chemistry behind it. Very similar with a distillery. Yeah, I was just coming, actually, we are coming very quickly to, to yes, your, how you apply a different water product. <laughs> and there, there's chemistry involved, there's uh, pumps, there's chillers, heaters, boilers, heat exchangers, pipings. So a, a distillery is quite related to an industrial plant. Yeah, very, okay, there you see, but you are a multi-entrepreneur, 
Yes. Obviously. And uh, you have always been connected to water. Fascinating because you grew up on the water by the lake. You are an engineer, so you're a logical thinker, a strategic thinker, a problem solver. Yes. And, uh, and uh, when did you, like now, now let's go towards, um, you were at the cabin, you said you're on Civil Lake. I mean, I, on the one hand, it takes probably a big investment to start a distillery. Uh, but when you started, how did that all happen? Was it around a bonfire? Like how romantic was it? How did that it, happen? It was an evolution, but uh, it was also around the campfire. And, uh, and that's how we arrived with a couple of our brand names. Our, our vodka made from potatoes from Purim, by the way. Wow. Yes. So, and the vodka is named Two Docks. Two docks named after a lake life. You have two docks. It's actually named after Marvin Cindy, who lived two docks down from me, <laughs> who's just down the beach. And we're always say, oh, Marvin Cindy are two docks down. And it just kind of evolved into, you know, that's a cool brand name. Yeah, we're going to keep that. Very much a lake life theme. Yeah. That, and that's what I've, uh, my family has always been a lake life uh, from Fargo over into the lakes country of Minnesota and have done that for going on three generations now. Yeah, fascinating. So you were, how, well, how long ago? Was it five years ago, 10 years ago? Did you do amateur distilling? Because well, is it actually legal to do no, amateur? No, that is illegal ah. and therefore I have not done that. <laughs> of course not. So, and and uh, so personally, uh, beer does not agree with me. Uh -huh. It doesn't like me. Okay. I, I have half a beer and I'm just full and bloated and I've been that way off forever. Mm -hmm. So um, I, in my early 20s, actually gave up beer in favor of vodkas and gins in the summer and whiskeys in the winter. Mm -hmm. That was just my natural. And I'm, I'm, I'm also a huge foodie and as well as our whole family is a huge foodie and recognizing the quality and flavor of alcohols, uh, even... For example, for example, uh, vodkas. There's a huge difference in quality between vodkas. Yeah, and you can taste that, and you can actually appreciate that that there is a difference. And um, if you will, the lower qualities of the vodkas, those are chemicals and poisons in there, if you will, acetones and aldehydes. If it smells of um, fingernail polish remover, you know, if you like that, so. It, but uh, recognizing <laughs> exactly, but recognizing that those type of aromas are in the cheaper quality of alcohols, and uh, it's been very fun over the years that I go, oh, that's a tough. I'm not going to drink that style of vodka. I'm going to actually spend a little better money and upgrade to something that is better because those bad chemicals actually contribute to hangovers more so than does the alcohol itself. Your body really doesn't like the acetones, aldehydes those chemicals, the fingernail polish smelling. And so recognizing that even at a young age in my 20s, that, oh, it's better to drink a better quality product. So you became a, a spirit connoisseur very early on? Yes. Uh, um, you, if I may ask, you, you made a jump from beer to, let's call it hard. The, the, the wine was... So, Wine was never an option? No, I, I do enjoy wine, but it's kind of funny that, um, I, and I, I, can, I can tell a good wine from a not good wine, Yeah. but I can't identify as readily the individual flavors as to why it's good. 
Ah, yeah, okay. So, you know, I, I can tell, oh, yes, this is a great wine. That's a fantastic wine. And I can pick out a couple of the flavors, but not like spirits. For, for me, I can go to a whiskey and, and single malts, scotches were always my favorite whiskeys. So, and I can go to that and pick out the individual notes in a whiskey, whereas a wine, I can go, it's red, it's dry, I like this, but I don't get all of the, like a, like a sommelier does. Mm-hmm. So I'm more of a whiskey and a spirit than a beer your and tongue, wine. Your, yeah. your, no, I understand, that's interesting. I'm still experimenting and finding out where my uh, strength lays, I suppose. But yeah, okay. Interesting that you say that. I mean, I'm obviously, people know I'm from Germany and we have a purity law when it comes to beers. And I, I do agree with beer, but I don't agree to a lot of beers here when they're with rice or corn. There's also, against, it's actually a violation of law in my country. You cannot sell it under the brand name beer. So a lot of beers that are served here, I get a sour, I just can't drink them. I just I like I I have a same issue, um, and uh, what I what, why this where this is leading to, the flavors uh, in in German beer you cannot contribute uh, aromas. So if you have if you want to have an orangey taste to an IPA, it must come out of the hops or wherever. I don't know. I'm not yes. good at that. So now you mentioned flavors in wine. I I I, I I'm not sure, but I always thought it is the grape. And then maybe the oak or the barrel where it's aged. I don't think, do they add flavor? Like it's, that's a no-no, is it? Mm, to I, add you know, I'm not sure how many okay. rules are ever applied anymore oh, yeah, okay. in alcohol. But uh, especially on the, the wine and beers, like you mentioned in the American beers. Um, but, uh, oh, I lost my place here. Oh, oh I was going to say, uh, so Kath, K-A-T-H is my last name and that, I am full German also from both sides, but beer does not agree with me and it never. So, and like you mentioned, the sour beers, um, I, I, I get them, I understand them, but I just, they're, they're not my palate. They're yeah. not what, what I, what I appreciate. Um, however, like with the malt whiskey that starts as a beer, you make malt whiskey, malt barley makes yeah. beer, makes malt whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Tell us, tell us about that. Like, um, first of all, you said you, you do a variety. You do vodkas, gin, whiskey. So we have three liquors. What is it called? Three ba- And we've got two whiskeys. We've got the malt whiskey, which is malted barley, and it's 100% malt. So we call it a single malt because it's full malt whiskey. Malted barley makes beer and makes, then we distill that into whiskey. Okay. And, uh, Related to, if you will, scotch. Scotch is also malt whiskey. Scotch, by rule, can only be made in Scotland. Yeah. So in the U.S., it's called American malt whiskey, or just malt whiskey. Ah, so okay. Yeah. So and so uh, our our scotch is like champagne, actually, where champagne is from the Champagne in France. Correct. Ah, so it's a scotch. Okay, good. And 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 ours is North Dakota malt. And we, like a lot of uh, scotches, have smoke from where they uh, use peat to malt their barley. Mm -hmm. So that imparts smoke flavor into the barley, into the malt, that impacts the the spirit. We don't have any peat in the area. We also don't have any seawater. What is peat? Uh, Peat moss. 
So that's what a lot of the, the original Scotch distilleries would malt, would smoke there and heat their malt when they, after they would, would kiln the malt with uh, smoke from the peat. So ah. that imparts a smoky flavor into the grain that they then make the beer out of that then that contributes that smoke flavor to their spirit. So our malt whiskey doesn't have any of that smoke. It doesn't have any of the salt water because there's a, from like in Scottish, the Isle of Ely has a very salty, a briny sure. flavors into that that's imparted again through the grains that we're North Dakota. It's straight, what? sweet malt, sweet oh, yeah. water yeah. Uh, and oak barrels, charred oak barrels. So ours is a very, um, it, it's a very complex in a, in a way malt whiskey but it doesn't have those same malts, or same smokes, peats, and other like scotches. Yeah, yeah. Ha! <laughs> uh, uh, we are getting already oh, into yes. the recipe. <laughs> uh, but let's circle back again. Um, when did you make your first, and and how and and how did that all happen on Sybil Lake? You said bonfire. Yeah, so well, was that's that in all the 2010? When when did you start? It was about 2010. Oh. Now where, where we started... Oops, sorry about that. That's perm, live and loud. <laughs> yes, the train goes by. Um, which reminds me, there's a train right at the end of Civil Lake. So we hear that all right. in the middle of the night. Yeah. So um, sitting around the campfire is where the branding and the ideas came up with. Okay. And that actually went on for four years while we were starting the licensing process of becoming a distillery. I see. And so the two docks vodka, the ideas came around that out of the campfires. Yeah. Uh, the Minions gin. Yeah. Our gin line is the Minions. The so min Minions came about from, uh, I mentioned Marvin Cindy, who lived two docks down. They, they live in uh, Grand Forks. And uh, as we were starting the distillery, uh, there was a bar in Grand Forks that uh, was closing down and they were selling out the contents. And I bought online, bought the contents of the bar. And you told me that, that backdrop? That is the backdrop in the tasting room in Fargo. Yes. So that bar is from 1892. Oh. It's, yeah, and it is beautiful, ornate. Um, and that was in a basement of the Down Under bar up in Grand Forks. And wow. I bought it, I won it online. And uh, the auction ended on Saturday night, and two days later, the building gets knocked down. So, sa Sunday morning, and oh, by the way, I am in Arizona on my day job doing engineering. <laughs> so, Sunday morning, uh, 11 of my closest former friends went up to Grand Forks to retrieve that bar from the basement of that building. It's 16 feet wide, and it had to go up a scissors stair. The back bar was 600 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, it was a Herculean effort to get that out. Um, and those former friends gave me a bad time about it, that, oh yeah, you weren't involved. Uh, but it was very ribbing and very fun. Um, uh, about a month or two later, a similar, I bought some other items for the distillery. And again, I was out of town and wasn't able to get it. And another good friend of mine made the comment, well, just go send your minions to go get it. Therefore, the Minions Gin came about from the original 11 former friends that retrieved the bar. Okay. 
So lifetime happenings uh, and stories that incorporate into your branding. That's so all of the branding happened even in front of the production. Yeah. So talking about our uh, our bourbon is crooked furrow. Yeah. Crooked furrow uh, in farming, you know, rows should be straight. And now with GPS, rows are perfectly straight. Well, my grandfather farmed and Grandma was always one that it had to be perfectly straight. Well, Grandpa might not have been quite so straight, and she'd give him a bad time about it. And I remember him telling me about, well, uh, a crooked row was longer than a straight row. From end to field of end to field. True. <laughs> True it is. But there's less I, lines, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't quite understand yeah. it. I remember as maybe in kindergarten or first grade uh, on the dining room table, he took a string and made a curvy line across the table and then he pulled it straight. See, the crooked row is longer. <laughs> so a crooked furrow is an homage to uh, nice. Grandpa Ken. Nice. And farming. A lot of storytelling in your, in your brand names. Yes. So how was your first distillery, like can you distill as a hobbyist? Like I can home brew. You, I, I think you mentioned it's illegal. Like I cannot distill because of the alcohol content. Like how, so you plan and you, and then you need a license to do your first batch. How, how did that process of, and did it happen in, in Sibyl Lake with Sibyl Lake water? Or like how, what was the first well, the, distillery uh, like? The first distillery, well, I spent a couple of years going to workshops and going to other distilleries around the nation. Ah. Uh, and I interned, if you will, for a couple of weeks at a distillery in Arizona, friends in Kingman, Arizona, that make, that make rum. And you get a feel, as well as from my engineering background, with the process and the materials handling of the grains, uh, the potatoes, that's a whole other process. But to, to get a feel for how the materials are to be handled, uh, the, the chemistry side of life is also another process of mashing the grain, getting to the right uh, specific gravity of the grain. You know, for home brewers, it's uh, mashing the grain and hitting your specific gravity, your amount of sugars, if you will, in, the, in your wort that will then convert into alcohol when it's fermented. Distilling is just like brewing in beer making is you have to hit your specific gravity. And so, uh, while yes, having a still at home is illegal and therefore isn't done, uh, there is a lot of prep work and a lot of information and education that one must do uh, around the country going to distilleries. Uh, please, everyone, stop into our distillery in Fargo. But if you're not in Fargo, visit your nearest craft distiller. Uh, I've always said that. When you've seen one distillery, you've seen one distillery because there are no two that are alike. Everything is different from size to configuration to what they use. Most of, most like, like proof, we distill only things that are local. Uh, people have asked us to do a rum. Well, we can't do a rum because that's made out of sugarcane. We don't have any sugarcane. However, we do have potatoes for vodka. We do have corn for bourbon and we do have barley malt for whiskey. So we concentrate on what's local to make what's local. Okay, yeah. What's gin made out of? Our gin is made out of our, out of our vodka. So oh. the gin is, gin the, is the base thing? alcohol. Yeah, the base alcohol for gin starts as our potato vodka. Oh. And then the gin is a fascinating process itself 
where we load our vodka into the, the gin still, and there's a, um, you bring it up to a boil, and then as the vapors boil off, we put uh, the gin ingredients in, it's called a, an aromatic basket, mm-hmm. and the vapors flow through that basket, through those aromatics. Juniper and coriander and uh, lemongrass, citrus peel, um, and all of those ingredients are then vapor infused uh, into the vapor stream that condenses out, and it's instantly gin. Yeah, it's a, a and very small changes in the aromatics make a very large change in the flavor. So, uh, so again, uh, um, I mean, you say it so easily and passionate. What's the difference between vodka and gin then, in particular? It's a different boil. It's, it's, so, what makes it different then? No, the the well, essentially, gin is a flavored vodka. Oh, really? Well, if, if you want to get Somewhat. down to it, in a way, because at the base, alcohol would be a neutral spirit, i.e. vodka, without flavor. Uh-huh. So vodka is a distilled ethanol. You distill it to 192 proof and then cut it back with filtered water to 80 proof to, for vodka. So uh-huh. the, the gin is, starts with that base neutral, non-flavored alcohol and potato alcohol. And then we add those uh, ingredients of the juniper berries and the other. There's uh, 20 ingredients in our gin oh. that uh, make up. Uh, there will be uh, like fresh orange peel and dried orange peel, fresh lemon peel, dried, orn- dried lemon, as well as a tiny amount of grapefruit. So huh. you, you, these all build layers of flavors within the gin. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a recipe. It's a, it's a process. And it, it's very f- fun. I mean, when you me- mentioned passion, it is truly about finding the flavor profile that we wanted to, that we wanted, that we enjoyed drinking ourselves. Now we're able to show people, okay, this is a light, flavorful gin that plays well in cocktails. Our Minions is very well, makes a great Minions mule. That and ginger ale, a squeeze of lime is a spectacular mule without using ginger beer, if you will. I see. Ginger beer, mules are usually vodka and ginger beer, the spicy, spicy yeah. ginger ale. Ah. Okay. So yeah, it's, there's a chemistry, there's alchemy, and at the end there's booze. <laughs> <laughs> and fun, yeah. Yes. Who who did the recipes? Did you do trial and error? So where, like, first of all, we like the equipment, the first equipment I'm interested about, and then the large equipment now, and who helped you with the recipes? Was it just trial and error, or did you have the friends in Arizona help you? And sp- how well, did how does that I, work? I like to, I prefer to call it denial and error. Not the trial and error. It, uh, um, from the engineering scientific mind, it was very fun in saying, okay, uh, this is a good base gin recipe that I've obtained from others, that this is a generic gin recipe. And when I say recipe, the recipe means um, use 10 times the amount of this ingredient than this ingredient. Okay. Use... uh, Uh, five times the amount of ingredient of this ingredient to this ingredient. So you kind of get ratios to play, and that all has to do with the strengths of flavors. Yeah. Uh, and and then narrowing it down of what you want your flavor profile to be. Uh, now, London dries, and everybody's had London dry gins because that's what we, for the past 40 years, pretty much know what gins to be. They're very dry, um, make a gin martini, 
uh, gin and tonic. That's what we associate with gins. Uh, London Dries kind of took over the world during Prohibition. That's where they really came to rise. And before Prohibition, there was a, a plethora of gins out there, various flavored gins. And we're kind of bringing that back to light. Um, and a lot of craft distilleries are doing that, that we're getting out of the mold of the London Dries into the old world style of gins. In fact, we've got one that's called an Old Tom that was prevalent in the 1800s. In fact, the uh, Tom Collins, the original Tom Collins um, uh, cocktail would have been made with an Old Tom style gin. And our Old Tom style gin has the potato spirit vodka base, but it also has malt whiskey based alcohol in it. So it's got a multi-character flavor, uh, depth of flavor from the whiskey component of the base alcohol. It, it's a fascinating spirit. Uh, um, it's a fascinating spirit. It's a fascinating history in bringing, bringing these old world spirits back to life. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't know how complex that actually all was. The London Dry is, is the Gordons or whatever. The that's. Gordons and the Tangerays and the yeah, Bombays and all I, of that. They're very dry. And yeah. Minions is not dry. Mm. And there's one ingredient that is not in Minions that is in all of those. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't guess it, but it is black pepper. Really? Yeah. Black pepper is the drying ingredient. Ah. And it's not that it tastes like black pepper, but there's a sensation there that makes it dry. Ah. So in, in, in our Minions that I give my son Jameson the, uh, the credit in, in developing Minions, that he didn't like black pepper. He just, as a profile, as a flavor, he's not a pepper fan. So and, you left it out? And we left it out. Huh. So in, um, in, like I mentioned that, uh, it's a potpourri of gin ingredients that live up in the, the aromatics uh -huh. that the vapors go through. Okay, in the original recipe, I remember there was eight cups of the juniper berries and all of this. So there's eight cups of that ingredient. In that eight cups, there was two black peppercorns. Uh-huh. That's, how, That's much, how much, how little? It's how little is in that eight cups. Granitas and Jameson go, nah, I just don't like the dry. So I go, okay, I took out one, made another batch with one black peppercorn. And he goes, no, I just, no, that's, I go, okay, we'll take it out. And we go, okay, there's minions. And that's, I had gotten it down to that last recipe with the two black peppercorns. Wow. And we removed both of them. And when I say that, that that's how much um, some ingredients have to influence the impact. In, yes, exactly. Impact. Um, star anise is very the same way. In that eight cups, there is one half of a star anise. Yeah, that's what's hard to do because that's that five star. You yeah. know, you have to break one in half. And if you put in a hole, it's very, very prevalent. If you don't put it in there, it's missing. Yeah. And so it's, it, yeah. it's a fascinating, fun science. Yeah. Chemistry and in there and there's booze. So. Yeah, and boo, <laughs> booze. booze. <laughs> fascinating. I, I'm, I'm curious to, to uh, try it. And I have visited your, your spectacular um, tasting room actually after our expo. Yes. Uh, in, in our Lake Life uh, Expo in Fargo, we had a little after party there and um, we also were able to get a tour and um, I know that your 
uh, distillery or the, the what is it called the the oven or the the still the still sorry yes. yeah the still it's made in Germany yes yep it is very pretty copper and very it looks like a spaceship Nemo it looks like an underwater submarine out of a it's beautiful actually and it's a piece are, of art it is and some say that it looks like like parts of a saxophone yeah because of the eye that's in there or a flute uh, true those, those uh, uh, those eyelets in there it's a phenomenal you know it's beautiful fun to look at but the copper serves a purpose technically okay copper grabs in the in the it's like a chemical reactor copper is grabbing poisons out of the alcohol streams and impurities Ah. that grabs acetones and aldehydes it grabs sulfates and sulfides and the inside of that will turn black every time we run it grabbing sulfates and sulfites turning it into copper sulfate and it sticks to the copper and then you wash it clear and then you wash it clear with just a little citric acid and it's it's just a molecular level that doesn't even eat into the copper ah. but it's grabbing those and it's purifying and removing those impurities from the fingernail polish remover smelling uh, alcohols Fascinating how much this, this uh, um, uh, chemistry is involved. And maybe that's why you need the licensing process to prove your capabilities and your education, I suppose, because it can be a dangerous tool it too. Is. I mean, the wrong kind of alcohol makes you, I don't know, blind or, or whatever, right? And we're hearing that even across the world now. Uh, we get reports every month of it's usually in a third world country of uh, Mexico or India where there was a celebration and moonshine some moonshine sort of a moonshine that was adulterated that they would kick up the potency by adding in a methanol alcohol and i i got a report just two weeks no no two months ago it was a couple months ago of a wedding ceremony and that there were a hundred people that died because of bad alcohol Really? Yes. So that toxic it is. Yes, and that, I believe that the particular was over in India. And so, yes, distilling, you need to pay attention to what you're doing. You need to do it right. You need to be reputable, reliable. And that's, you know, know your source. And that's what we're very proud about, of proof. Come down and see our source. Mm -hmm. uh, come and see it. Taste the difference for yourself. And then have a tour and talk to us and see oh yeah this is spectacular and they know what they're doing mm. we, we've got over 35 national awards in five years oh that's seven on average a year yes and so uh june excuse me february 14th it's now june february 14th we were awarded for the uh the 2020 american malt whiskey competition in new york uh-huh literally the day new york shut down <laughs> Yes, they had the competition, the tasting, and we were awarded a double gold and best in class for the 2020 American Malt Whiskey. Wow. So our Glen Fargo won the national award for best in class and a double gold. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. And you're a fairly young distillery. Um, I mean, roughly 10 years old. Uh, well, 10 years from the development, but we've only been producing for five years. Yeah. Yeah. As so uh, um, it, it took quite an invest to to get 
to this size and I don't even want to ask how expensive that is probably a lake home <laughs> expensive or oh, more than that <laughs> more yes. than that yeah so um, did you have a smaller equipment first or did you go practice in other distilleries They're like hey can I use like how how, how did, did did you only start with that beautiful equipment to yes oh yeah so first was just researching so five years of uh, business plan writing uh, uh, internshipping uh, uh, and and learning yes really yes. so you kind of went all in with like a substantial amount of invest purchased the equipment and it's like oh now let's produce yes really but and and also remember that as in from my engineering background I've uh, I do plant startups so I work for industrial plants I've I've uh, worked in potato processing plants yeah and from the and have done the startups of the facilities. Yeah. So I know what pumps are supposed to do, what different cleanouts are supposed to do, how you handle the materials. And um, yes, we had a few plugged pumps and plugged pipes and had to figure out our way around um, to make things work. But a lot of that is uh, from the engineering background. Uh, my brother who uh, joined us during the construction uh, so he helped build the facility as well so we know every part and every pipe and every fitting in the entire facility yeah uh, we put it together ourselves so yeah it's a it's it's a very proud um, and I uh, I've used this saying before of that I feel like every time I walk in there it's like I I trip bump my head and how did all this happen mm -hmm. Uh, I realize of all those steps, it took, an, it took a large effort to get to where we are. It seems like decades ago, but it also seems like yesterday when we were doing our first batches of whiskey. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. No, well, that is a fascinating story. And uh, who has not been to your uh, tasting room, which also has a kitchen, I think you can eat your lunch yes. and dinner? Uh, it, oh, only dinner. Well, actually, right at the moment, mid-June of 2020, uh, that is closed. Oh, sure. Uh, and we usually close and only open for a couple nights during the summer. I see. Because downtown Fargo does come to almost a stop. Yeah, because everybody's in Lakes Country. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, and, okay, interesting. Uh, but in the in the fall and winter, and, and the, the tasting room is, is there for playing with cocktails, having a bite to eat while you play with cocktails. Yep. But 95 to 98% of what we make is sold by others. Ah, yes. so you have quite a distribution. Yes, so we're in 400 accounts across North Dakota, a couple hundred in Minnesota. So that's where a vast majority of our volume is sold. Mm. Uh, but the tasting room is really the mothership to go and to see and witness how distilling happens. Yeah. Uh, to see it, it's, there are a lot of breweries around, but there's very few distilleries. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. The invest. The investment, yeah. a lot of more barriers to entry. Uh, and um, there's more in Europe, like in, in, in Germany, we have a renaissance of like small, I mean, uh, monkeys, gin, and like there's a number of uh, yes. small distilleries I read that are starting. Yes. And I would love to be in Germany doing some like some pear eau de vis okay. and the fruit uh, brandies. Yeah. That yeah. In the Lakes Country and North Dakota, we really don't have the fruit. We do have some apples, but really not to the volume that I would like to be able to. Yeah, do. we have we have we have cherry li liqueur like Kirsche, 
cherry yes. and then we have those sour apples or apple like we have a we should go to germany yes we should <laughs> oh yeah okay just, when yeah. you want to go yeah. yeah yeah and try that out bodensee that's where the the still was made in uh, bodensee yes ah yeah constance and that area okay. beautiful yes. yeah uh, you tell me when and then we, we will go yeah. uh, that, that would, would be, be beautiful, beautiful. but um, usually my f f finishing question now is um, tell us about your lake life or what makes lake life because you are uh, a lake life person you are so often here you have a home what does lakes country give you the most or what do you use it for the most uh, you know it's forever uh, leaving Fargo and heading into the lakes country and whether it's that I'm staying at the lakes country for days at the time or just for a weekend you feel the tension just leave your shoulders as you start entering the lakes country it's just kind of a uh, a sense of being of ah I can now relax and I'm certain that that's not for that everyone feels that but that's what I noticed most is that I can now leave for a temporary, leave the work behind and get out and relax. Uh, put your feet in the water. Uh, you know, we work harder at the lakes than we do in our homes in, in Fargo, well, for those that have two places, because you're always mowing or picking up sticks or cleaning trees or doing whatever. So the, the work is always there, but it's different. It's there's, different. There's a different sense of relaxation that I don't get yeah no I agree it's like the city escape and then like it's there's a rejuvenate or like that's my yoga like I don't really exercise but like the mowing the lawn like you are in that different space yes yeah, I'm very much the same so you are you're I mean you have a, a, a challenging job with engineering and obstacles and so you clear your mind Are you, are you a water skier? Like, do you like the slow, the, the quiet, or are you a very active lake life person? No, I'm a huge foodie, so I built a pizza oven at the lake. Oh, oh yes, we have fun. With Outdoor that. cooking, and I'm a yes, and I'm a huge water skier. I love to ski slalom. That's that's a passion, um, and we also do some uh, wake surfing. But but skiing is my that is a yeah. passion. The I speed, love slalom. yes. You like the speed, yes. Ha. Huh. Oh, very, very cool. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, thank you for coming in. Is there anything else I didn't ask or you wanted to share? Um, I love the connection to local ingredients. Uh, I mean, we touched on a lot of uh, the, like from the potato to the herbs and whatnot. And um, well, local is very important. Yeah, and uh, what what even if it's a beer, a locally produced beer. Um, on our products, over 90% of the price, of the shelf price sitting in a liquor store, 90% stays here. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that leaves the area is the, is the federal tax <laughs> and the cost of the glass. Sure. And that's less, well less than 10% of a shelf price. Wow. And when you look at a national brand, it's not that way. Right. What stays in the area is the retailer markup. Yeah, true. And so I'm, I'm truly about and I'm more about be local and whether it's our spirits, um, there are a couple other distilleries. There's one up in Hallock, Minnesota. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, whether it's our distillery, others, support local, support small, uh, support your local breweries. 
these are the people that are pouring their passion into it yeah. and are truly making a difference in economies as well as, as, well as uh, the craft and uh, the crafting of it itself. Yeah, no, I see a great renaissance in, in that and like from the breweries and like what you mentioned, distilleries or even the smaller restaurants that are continuously opening up now and even like the not less franchise, more unique artesian and small productions. I enjoy that. Like yes. you're right. I, I see that more and more. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, have a great weekend. Yes, you too. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh -huh.